Hello and welcome back to Cracking Coconuts, brought to you by 47 Roots, and this is your host, Myra. Today's episode, we'll be talking about the LGBTQ community in South Asia. We'll also be discussing the decriminalization of homosexuality, also known as Section 377 in India. We'll also be discussing the media's role in reinforcing discriminatory practices against the LGBTQ community. Earlier this year, the Indian Supreme Court partially struck down a colonial-era law, thus decriminalising homosexuality. Though the law was rarely used to prosecute gay and lesbian Indians, it was commonly used to blackmail and harass them, while also impeding the fight against HIV and AIDS. Today we'll be talking more specifically about the LGBTQ community in South Asia and how the media perpetuates homophobia and other forms of discrimination on the community. Over the years, definitions of sex, gender and sexuality have become conflated to the point where we find it difficult to distinguish and identify who or what we are. In part, it is the media's fault, but also the lack of legislation protecting minority groups and their rights. Today's guest has been an advocate for LGBTQ rights for quite some time now. Originally from Indonesia, Shiva Raichandani has travelled the world and has continued to raise the roof, not just through dance, but through advocacy too. He debuted on Britain's Got Talent and brought gender fluidity to the nation's attention. It is with great pleasure that I welcome Shiva to our show. Thank you so much. Welcome to our show, Shiva. <laughs> thank you. Thank you it's for such having an me. It's an honour to have you on. Oh no, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much. <laughs> Let's get started. Let's do this. So my own understanding is that sex is a biological fact. It's universal and largely unchanging. And then there's gender, which is so- socially constructed, culturally based and varies by location, changing all the time. Gender is very much woven into our social fabric. It's helped define our roles in our families, societies and communities. But then gender isn't static and we can shape the way it changes. So I'm going to start with a pretty big question. How do you define gender? Whoa, (laughs) right off the bat. Um, Yes, okay, so gender. I think gender is something that's really personal and it really comes down to an individual's way of approaching it. And as you said, right, rightfully said, that is, it isn't so rigid and fixed. It doesn't have sort of a start or end. And it's just open thing. It's just out there. It's open and it's ever changing should it need to. And there's just endless possibilities. It's not one specific thing. So when you say define gender, it's kind of like very limiting to use the word define because in a sense, it kind of like restricts you from having the sort of openness and endless kind of um, grasp of the understanding of gender itself so yeah um, gender so is just what you make it to be what you make it to be exactly. okay fair enough so you yourself identify as non-binary correct that's correct. right how did you come to realize this like was it something that you always knew or did you come to realize it as you grew older and just became more aware I think it's definitely not something that I um knew of identified as from a young age I knew the feeling but I didn't have the word for it so it's only recently that I've begun using non-binary because I think I'm comfortable right. with let's that. just define what non-binary is so it's that you don't identify with either the film female or male genders that have been constructed by society right Yes, so it is that it's very much that it's not um sort of identifying yourself as 
um, the mm. stereotypical man or woman. Mm. It's more of this... A fluidity, right? This flux yeah. of just masculinity and femininity. It's just everything is just fluid and there's no sort of... And I get this a lot. So how much male or how much female are you? Or like, what is your ratio? And I'm just like... <laughs> That does. There's no like percentage that you can put to it. I'm not like one day male, one day female, one day this much masculine, one day that much. This it's just there's no rule. You're a combination of those. Exactly. And that's something that people it's, need to exactly. realize. Exactly. And I find that really funny. No, but I mean, it's also it's, interesting because people. It is. It is something that's well novel to them, or not novel, but they're not used to it. Or they're yeah, not aware it's not of been it. normalized. Not yeah, you're right. That sort of exposure mm. to it so i mean myself prior mm. to coming on this podcast i only knew what lgbtq meant yeah and then i looked up what the iap and the n stands for yes. and i realized but then for our listeners and viewers we should probably also explain it so <laughs> if you could just that. in your own way and mm. define it how you define qiap so lgbt we know is lesbian gay bisexual transgender but then if you could define what qiap stands for sure so uh, just before I get into this, I think it's also important to understand that this acronym, the LGBT acronym, isn't sort of used or applicable to all mm, cultures exactly. and all social backgrounds. Yeah, yeah. So this isn't a sort of universally used acronym. It is an umbrella term that people use to sort of help identify and belong to mm. a community and is largely a Western concept. But well, let, let's do this. So Q um, <laughs> is queer. And queer is just basically anything that's different from the norm. It's the word in its sense queer isn't a sort of specific to the LGBT plus community. It has been used as a derogatory term in the past, but sort of the younger generation have kind of like taken it back and um, okay. reclaimed it in a way. Yeah. And sort of um, people who just don't see themselves as the quintessential LGBT um, acronym and see themselves as different, but don't see the need of labeling that difference mm. and just enjoy and feel comfortable in that difference okay. and that, that being different from the norm. But then again, what is different? What is the norm? <laughs> what are we? What, what what are we distancing ourselves from? So queer is just basically anything that's different, anything okay. that I don't um, sort of identify with that's societally the norm. Mm. And then I it refers to intersex. So that is any person, any individual that has sort of an overlap of the sexual chromosomes and the sexual organs and kind of it's a more biological and medical uh, viewpoint so that's intersex okay and um, there was recently a very interesting bbc documentary by annick who is intersex and i think you should really check that Definitely. out it's beautiful it was just recently released and annick's beautiful person and who who is intersex and yeah that journey i mean if you'd like to find out more about uh, so what sort is of the intersex, intersex ultimately it could be in a variety of things because there's see. no one sort of genetic makeup that we can I I, like I label it as so it could be an overlap of the organs or I the see. chromosomes okay. that results in say for example having a male and female organs or that, that sort I of see. thing so it's okay. more of a medical approach to it and if you'd like to understand a bit better i'd suggest watching that documentary um a refers to asexual so this is um people also kind of refer this to as ace ace and this is just um sort of someone who doesn't have either 
romantic or sexual feelings of uh, any sort in that sense. Not any sort. I think that's a bit extreme to say that. But doesn't sort of have a romantic or sexual inclination towards their attraction to someone. So that's asexual. And pansexual is someone who... Um, it's kind of people overlap this with bisexuality as well but pansexual is just an attraction emotional physical sexual to someone regardless of Mm. their gender or sexual orientation um so relating it back to section 377 how did the media react when well i I guess homosexuality was decriminalized um because here we see people over like I mean, the footage that I've seen is people celebrating, you know, they're finally coming out in safe spaces. There was Delhi Pride, you know, but then how does the actual media, because the media is run by, I imagine, Hindu fundamentalists who might not like this. So how did they react upon that? I think it really depends what section of the media or who in the media we're talking about, because there is a big divide again mm. in terms of media gear that is run by, say, the elder generation and so it's sort of in their voice through their perspective but then you have the more um upcoming um media platforms like buzzfeed india and like scoop whoop and the various um basically the the outlets that are more geared towards the younger generation so it's more again are you seeing online media or are you seeing television it all varies and everyone's had a very different reaction to it you've got debates about people still questioning why it's been decriminalized but on the whole if you actually see a lot of the media jumped on the rainbow bandwagon suddenly <laughs> uber in india had rainbows everywhere phrase, rainbow bandwagon. I honestly <laughs> you have all these indian brands suddenly going oh yeah we support the queer community and da-di-da-di-da it's a party and then you have people like, but you still don't hire queer people. Mm. You still don't do anything effective to, I mean, make sure their rights are preserved exactly. and they are taken care of. So there's a lot of, I mean, sure, people are jumping on the whole hype and the positivity. But it's, again, going back to what are you actually doing about it? I mean, I guess the next question I also have is many people have seen the decriminalization of homosexuality as India decolonizing. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, see that's another thing where people think the whole idea of homosexuality is sort of been brought from outside and is an um, outside thing and it's alien and it's not something that India originally has or something basically it's seen as an outside thing that's influenced and brainwashed Indians, whereas it's not. It's always been there. It's always been part of our culture. If you go back to our scriptures and Hindu mythology, there are so many references to queerness and um, that like challenge the idea of maleness, femaleness. There are stories of men who become women, women who become men, men who create children without women. And it's just like creatures who are ne- neither this nor that, who don't have a specific identity, a bit of both. And it's just always been prevalent and present in our hindu mythology and scriptures and it's all it's it's been this idea that because india being the spiritual country that it is this idea of that the soul has no gender mm-hmm. and um gender comes sort of like from it's it's bodily it's man-made it's a social mm-hmm. construct and 
the gen- like the, the person is the soul and the soul itself has no gender and i mean queerness has always been celebrated in hinduism and in india in the past and it was only when we had sort of the colonization that it sort of got branded as something unspeakable and unnatural as 377 calls it unnatural acts it's it's just about unpacking our past our history understanding what it's unlearning this is another thing that i talk a lot about is as much as we're trying to learn about lgbt community about queerness and about embracing it and just widening our minds and learning there's a lot of unlearning that we need to do mm. there's a lot of mm. unpacking stripping back the notions the prejudices the perceptions exactly. that we've been brought up with and trying to like sit back strip it all away and think why is it why is it this way what has caused it to be this way mm. why because what is homophobia it's the fear of something mm. it's um, i guess it's also um, it's meant to be a fear but i guess exactly also, so what are you fearful hatred, about exactly mm. so it's just unpacking that sort of thing and unlearning these values that we've brought up with mm. and yeah i guess that that's a good point because if gender binary is to be toppled entirely mm-hmm. then we have to move a- away from defining anything as feminine or masculine so then how does that fit into the expression of gender like if we are trying to deconstruct gender and trying to move away from engendering clothes makeup characteristics etc how do we express gender at all that's the thing right i mean we have these we have this very rigid idea of what gender should be i mean the binary that has been enforced throughout male this male uh, female that and boys should be doing this girls should be doing that whereas if you sit back and think why 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 are the why do these labels exist why can't a boy dance and a girl do sports mm-hmm. it's about embracing how complex and how varied and how we are much more exactly. than, than these limitations. Yeah. I mean, we're much more than what's between our legs. <laughs> so it's it's trying to understand that. Like, why? Why? I mean, men have been wearing makeup since ages in Shakespeare. Mm. Like, go back to Shakespeare in theater. Men played women's roles. So it's not like it's an alien thing. It's mm. about understanding that you should be able to do whatever you're comfortable with. And if you want labels that's perfectly fine labels give you a sense of community a sense of belonging helps you identify lets you be a part of something gives you your family gives you um some sort of direction for some but if you don't want labels that's also fine because exactly. if you're comfortable with that, that then yeah. it's who you are and at the end of the day it's about respecting that choice and understanding that even though you may identify as something that's completely different to what how i identify you're how you identify is still valid and it's still i mean just respect just respect values. exactly okay. <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly how has bollywood affected the way we see the lgbtqiap community right so <laughs> this is like a whole kind of one so bollywood is i mean uh, let's break it down so bollywood refers to it's a part of the indian film industry the hindi uh, side of it so it's not 
Um, mm. So just need to narrow that down. So Bollywood is the Hindi cinema. And Bollywood, again, is Hindi commercial cinema, which is the mainstream sort of um, big budget and really um, movies that have... We call this like, there's a word called the masala movies, which kind of oh, like means, so this means like this, uh, movies that aren't necessarily serious and more for mass appeal. So it's like what sells to uh, a bigger audience. Okay. So that's where the divide between mainstream films and independent cinema comes Could in. Could you give us a few examples of these masala films? So these masala films would be anything like by the big cons, say Salman Khan, Shah Rukh oh, Khan. So it's by the actors and actresses who have this wide reach, who have this massive so following that... and sort okay. of gain that attraction. And so movies are catered to their audience to make more money. Basically, the end game is money. What mm. films make money? So even if it's a movie that has the absolute most ridiculous storyline but still makes money that's considered a success story in Bollywood so those are the sort of mainstream movies that mm. get that sort of recognition and a lot of the independent movies who do address um, queer themes and just a diverse storytelling just kind of fizzles out unless um, like award shows pick them up or film festivals pick them up and then they get sort of mainstream attention. Okay. Um, earlier this month, you and the London School of Bollywood were featured on India's Got Talent, right? And how was your debut on India's Got Talent received? Like, how did India react to your performance? We expected a lot of backlash, not gonna lie. I was expecting We were just, because we, we were even scared, like, prior prior to getting to India we were really scared about just me roaming around there with my beard and a skirt and a gagra with makeup on I was I think just mentally preparing myself for worst case scenario because that's what you do I mean I think as a queer person we have this sort of innate fear of just being negatively perceived and received and behaved towards so we're constantly on this fight flight mode and just very sort of sensitive to how people see you but to be very honest the experience was nothing but positive we did not have any negative um, sort of attitudes towards us the judges were very very welcoming and all of them gave us really good feedback the dance was seen in a positive light the message came across the judges brought it up and spoke um, in detail about it so one of the judges was Karan Johar who is one of the biggest um, directors and producers of Bollywood yeah, cinema um, most of his movies he kind of brought queer characters to the limelight I, I wouldn't go so far as to say he was the only one but his movies for example the one Tostana that came out way back um, even though it wasn't a film about queer characters it was about performing gender in a sense and yes it did get a lot of backlash from the queer community because it didn't i mean a lot of stereotypes were enforced and this is another thing because in the film industry queer characters are always well not always but tend to be depicted as negative as um stereotyped as villains or having um or being hypersexualized mm -hmm. and just sidelined as comic relief and never given the 
um, respect or the opportunity to have a complex um, character. And so a lot of his movies that have depicted queer characters haven't been in a positive light. And but that's changed over the years. Now, that's the thing, because a lot of it has to do with, again, the criminalization of homosexuality in India. So a lot of um, queer experiences in the films weren't explicit and weren't referenced to as explicitly because of laws and government issues, because movies would be banned, censored. Mm-hmm. Karinjur himself has mentioned in his uh, book that he he had to stay away from a lot of that so that he could protect his production company and his employers and all that. He himself wouldn't come out and use the words I'm gay because he was scared of all the legalities that would ensue from that. So a lot of it does have to do with, of course, Section 377 that limited all of that. And again, in relation to films, depiction of queer characters affected that. So in a TED Talk, you quite rightly pointed out that non-binary People are stereotyped as comics, villains, caricatures, hypersexual, mentally or physically challenged and sinful. Do you think these portrayals in Bollywood blockbusters have become ingrained into our society? Absolutely. I think despite the increase in queer representations in Bollywood, most of these characters are often stereotyped as, as you said, comic relief caricatures, villains, violent, mentally or physically uh, challenged and sinful even. There was mm. this, going back to Dostana, there's this um, song um, that uh, one of the characters, the main character's mother breaks out into and it's called Mada Ladla Bikargya. It literally translates to uh, my son, the mother's son has uh, become spoiled, uh, referring to him being queer and during the entire musical sequence, this woman goes on about how she needs to cure her son through witchcraft and prayers and mm. this whole shebang and it's super dramatic. And they sort of really portray this very negative um, look uh, of queer characters. So this is this has been everywhere, um, even just effeminate men who aren't necessarily queer are called worse than a woman to imply that they're sort of um, too inferior and too weak um, and just they're just not provided or not um, offered that sort of respect that a straight character would be given and they're just sidelined as yeah punchlines and I guess seeing as this is probably the exposure we get to um that community that people shouldn't go off that but they tend to mm-hmm. i guess that's just media as a whole absolutely i mean again going back to having the independent films though those they treat queer characters a bit more sensitively and with the complexity that they deserve but yeah these mainstream ones even till today carry a mockery out of queer characters which is disheartening given the impact that bollywood can have on changing perceptions mm-hmm. and um, so you mentioned that there's independent movies. Have there been any well-represented LGBTQ movies in Bollywood? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Bombay Talkies. Um, it's this anthology of four short films by four different directors and Karinjar has one small shot in it by... Um, it's got Rani Mukherjee in it as oh, yeah. one of the central characters and the two main uh, male characters in there 
Um, so Rani's husband has an extramarital affair with the man, yeah. and they actually depict a kiss between them. And it's, it's, I mean, <laughs> it's a huge thing. Like, I say yeah. that like it's a big thing because it is yeah. for the Indian cinema to have two men kissing on screen passionately without censored. What was the reaction to that? Uh, the film I didn't like get that mainstream attention. It was, I think, it was independently released like in a couple of select cinemas, was and then there directly any backlash? on uh, a lot, a yeah. lot, a lot, a lot. Um, a lot of uh, calls for it to be banned, to be censored, but yeah, it did make it out there, but it did not get the wide release. Mm. A more recent film that received international acclaim is Amen, Mm -hmm. which was released in 2010. However, it also ran into similar problems with the Central Board of Film Certification taking six months to actually allow the film to be screened across India. Yes. Since then, have things changed? Are they are they more relaxed about it? Um, Has Karan Johar actually taken steps to present it on a? I mean, he has influence, like you said. There has, has been um, a fairly recent movie. Um, what is it called? Kapoor and Sons. Oh yeah, um, I haven't seen that yet. Kapoor, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's such a good movie. So Fawad Khan, who is um, one of the main characters, plays um, a closeted queer Indian and. Um, he is given such a good and complex character and his personhood is given more importance than his gender and sexuality, which is not something that core characters are um, generally offered. Mm. And I think that there's, this, there's this pivotal scene in um, the movie where Fahad Khan's character confronts his mother who discovers that he's not the ideal son which means he's not basically heterosexual. And so uh, he, he confronts her and says, um, I know I've upset you. Something 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 on these lines, I'm just far- paraphrasing it. Something like, I know I've upset you, but what upsets you most? Is it that I hid this from you? Or are you upset with the identity itself? Because I can apologize for many things, but how do I apologize for being who I am? Mm. I think mm. this is such a defining moment in Bollywood. And mind you, this is a mainstream mm. film because you have these major actors backed by Karan Johar and it's got uh, the exposure that other films get. And I think it's a stunning moment, this plea to want to live life authentically because, I mean, that resonated with me and I'm sure it resonates with a lot of other LGBTQ exactly. folk. And um, because, I mean, as I've said, c- commercial films like those eat by Karan Johar himself, um, hold a lot of influential power so having a character like that who's offered that complexity who's granted the the like who's just granted uh the chance to be more humanly portrayed mm-hmm. is a beautiful thing and so uh, kudos kudos to Karen himself and the whole production mm-hmm. house and that film and the actors who yeah. did not shy away from portraying the character do you think that it was because a director with such a great influence and that there were such um, influential actors actually chosen to cast in it that the film didn't receive as much backlash? Oh, it did receive backlash, but not as much. Yeah. But yes, 100%, because the characters that, I mean, the actors who play the characters are well-liked mm. and are popular. And so they have that sort of appeal. Mm. But what about LGBTQ Mind you, these are straight actors. Exactly. I just want to point out, these are straight actors, like queer characters. Exactly. So you still, 
don't there's want to have. There's still that as well. There's still that gap. I mean, there's, there's no a lot representation to unpack. there. Exactly. There's a lot to unpack because you yeah. still have, I mean, we're talking about queer representation, but then I, this is an, another thing that I highlighted in the TED Talk. Let queer people tell queer mm. stories. Mm. Hire queer people to tell their own stories because if exactly. we're not part of the storytelling, then all of our stories are being told through a heteronormative lens and then you're just doing it a service to the community again. Mm. I mean, but then again, baby steps. Exactly. We have to understand that we... Of course, like change doesn't happen overnight, but we are getting there. Steps at this is another beautiful movie. Um, Margarita with a straw. Catch it on Netflix. It's beautiful. It's about this lesbian relationship, this lesbian couple. Bollywood movie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It's and it's in, it's all in English. So I think oh, well. it's, it's, it's all in English. <laughs> it's accessible, <laughs> but it's beautiful because it's such a nuanced portrayal of lesbian relationships, and um, it does. I don't want to spoil it, but um, it does not have a positive end which is again another thing queer characters don't aren't generally granted a positive or happy ending sort of thing because they're always oh. seen as prone to they shouldn't tragedy they don't Do deserve tragedy because people want to see them uh. like suffer and that sort of stuff so i mean that's another thing again there are so many facets to look at and i think it's wonderful that we have creators who aren't afraid to tell such authentic stories mm. no matter the platform they do it on no matter the reach that it has because if you want to find a movie you will find it if the community wants to see a queer movie they will find it it's just about getting that to the masses and getting the entire public to be like yo this is us yeah. this is who we are and we've always been here so on sunday we saw people gather in delhi to celebrate pride <laughs> Was there any backlash and will the LGBTQ community be able to continue expressing themselves in these safe spaces? I think it's important that you say safe spaces because what is a safe space? Um, it can be, I mean, very hard to find a safe space, especially given the current climate of how people perceive queer folk and Granted that we've had Delhi Pride and it's beautiful. The pictures, the videos have been absolutely beautiful. We even had a, a party here in uh, in London to commemorate um, the decriminalization of homosexuality. We had this massive um, 377 party here. So it's not, I think there's this ripple effect where people who are Indian globally resonate with the decriminalization because no matter whether they're in India or not in India, it does affect them and it allows them to say that, yes, I, I, I exist and it is okay to be me and I can't have the government behind me enforcing some archaic law saying that what I am is not right or valid. Mm -hmm. And so it's up to us how we progress also as a community and up to allies to provide those safe spaces, those inclusive spaces for us to thrive in. So it's kind of both us continuing the good fight and allies standing side by side, providing us with the ability and capacity to do that. Because I think a lot of the times we sort of disregard allies and I that's very that's I don't think that's right because they are influential in because they are I mean they've had the upper hand 
I think in any kind of civil rights protest or yeah. anything, you see that you do need the other side. Yeah. Even in civil rights back in Yeah, it helps you amplify your yeah. voices. They needed and white voices to help them up. And, absolutely, because you, know, you need happens. someone to sort of amplify marginalized voices. And if, I mean, support anywhere. So how do we engage with the greater population in moving away from heteronormative gender roles? Okay, so I think the idea isn't, like, we're not trying to say, like, in a very, like, aggressive way, do away with gender, this is absolute crap and bullshit and da-da-da-da-da. It's more about questioning. It's more about challenging. It's more about addressing. It's more about getting people to question their own stereotypes. It's about understanding why is everything so gendered and must it be that way? What else is there beyond this? what what are sort of um what, what what's outside of the binary why is there this binary it's more about just questioning and getting people to ask questions and engage them in that so that's another thing that we did um on britain's got talent through so our team london school of bollywood we we took bollywood's quintessential hero heroine narrative the heteronormative narrative of having just this male figure who's macho dominant and this submissive female character who's always been the stereotype heroine in like bollywood films and then question that and be like it doesn't have to always be this way and a star a celebrity a character can come from any walk of life could come from any background with any gender identity and expression and here we are with someone who identifies as non-binary whose gender is fluid and can take center stage so it's about addressing that head-on but not of course negating other people's um understanding and choices okay cool so Shabba, you actually have a three-point plan so if you could elaborate Absolutely. on that 100% so I think this is this sort of like consolidates everything that we've discussed and also paves the way for what should happen, what next steps we should be taking. And yes, it's sort of, in my opinion, threefold. And the first one is media outlets like Bollywood need to need to kind of like be held accountable for what they're doing. They need to understand that they have this responsibility to show queer folk in an authentic and positive way and um n- not reduce them to ridiculous stereotypes comic stereotypes they're not they're not there to serve your comedy exactly. we're not here to serve, know, just normalize that kind normalize of, yeah. that and i mean because that sort of typecasting gravely i mean impacts us and limits us because mm-hmm. i mean considering its impact and reach these movies i mean educate people they give people the knowledge and kind of normalize things and um that sort of visibility and representation is crucial. Um, secondly, I think that this is more on a wider level, like communities and corporations need to actively promote safe spaces for those that do not conform to the gender binary. Um, and a safe space, basically, that does not police, a, a, a place where in people's gender expression is not policed. Um, thirdly, it's more on an individual level where we should be reflecting from time to time how we ourselves perpetuate gender stereotypes and how we perhaps reinforce those gender stereotypes and how have those stereotypes affected us Mm. it's just kind of reflecting and being mindful Mm. of how we do these things how we approach these things how we deal with these things and how we let that affect us yeah no thank you for that So the historical ruling paves way to a more hopeful India where the constitutional rights of the LGBT community are upheld. 
Although the landmark judgment has decriminalized homosexuality, it does not permit the same-sex couples to marriage, inheritance, adoption, or reservation in employment. Though this is a watershed moment, it is also a time for continued resistance and solidarity. Thank you, Shiva, for coming on our show. It's been such an honor. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, it's been such a pleasure. And I can't tell you how important having platforms like this that amplify marginalized voices is because we need that. We need all of this. So kudos to you and your team for having yeah, this. You. Honestly. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Cracking Coconuts. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to like, subscribe and share. We are now streaming on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and YouTube. Stay up to date by following both Shiva Raichandani and 47 Roots on Instagram. Also, if you haven't already, go and check out 47 Roots' documentary on Sri Lanka's Disappeared. Again, thank you for listening and this is Myra signing out. <laughs>